1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world. George's Box. As always, I am your host, JJ, and I am joined every week by the man who will be topless in Section 205 this Saturday. Bring your dollar bills if you're coming out, because he does need to
2: pay the rent. The Velveteen Dream, Keith McPherson. Shirtless, man. Shirtless. Not topless. Topless is for uh, strippers and boobs. Yet, we're going to be out there shirtless, pecs yeah, flexed. But, but I'm trying to
1: get you money. I'm trying to get you some money. So topless is sexier. Okay. Like yes, shirtless so top- is
2: hanging out. I'm trying to get you some tips. Topless is how we'll advertise it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going shirtless.
1: Man, uh, as always, it's a great week to be a Yankee fan. Uh, coming out of the All Star break, I know we're both excited. Uh, Keith's going to games Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'll be there Friday and Saturday. Uh, Saturday, hopefully you're coming to our uh, Bronx Pinstripes event. If you're not, uh, it's all right. You can buy tickets to the game on your own. We'll be sitting in Section 205. Where we're going to be at the dugout before the game uh, with a lot of people just having a good time. It's going to be a hot one out there. You know, I just got like the push notification for extreme heat advisory until sunday
2: yeah and uh (laughs) if you have never been to yankee stadium when the sun is right above the stadium for a day game like i don't even want to think about it the the last bronx pinstripes game we did um where it was like that was in like 2016 and we were all baking in the bleachers heat exhaustion like it was so uncomfortable but like what are you gonna do like it is what it is
1: I was at that game. Like, I wasn't with you guys, but I was at that game. That's the game when uh, Tyler Austin and Judge made their debuts and went back to
2: back. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it was a great game, but like that heat is a different type of element, component. Everyone is drenched in sweat. Some people are drinking through it. It's hard to get drunk like that when it's that hot out. It's like uncomfortable, but uh, I mean, whatever. It's like the
1: best day, like the best job that day is to be the water salesman because like they're making the most money because yeah. even- there are tickets like there's, I think it's like the Pepsi club in center field. Like there are tickets that have access to that, but people don't necessarily go. Cause there are tickets that have specific seats in there, but that's a thing where if you are kind of underneath in like that entranceway, there'll be a line for like an hour to get in there. Cause people are just hoping to get some air conditioning. It's yeah, going to be, then
2: it gets like, it gets funky in there and the AC doesn't even matter. Cause people are still hot and sweaty going in there. Um, from yeah. what I remember with these hot games, there's a guy selling the like frozen lemonades. Um, And then you don't want to buy water in the stadium because it's expensive. Not, you know, trying to go in there and buy an eight dollar water bottle, but hydrate up before it. If you're listening to this uh, and you're coming to the game, hydrate up the night before. So you're good Saturday. We don't want anyone passing out.
1: I'll have packets of Pedialyte on me because I always keep that thing on me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I mean, last time we talked, it was going to be the all-star game. I don't really have much to say aside from it was a great showing by the Yankees. You know, I think I tweeted every time they showed a Yankee, like, all right, get him out of the game. Get him out of the game. The Yankees played well. Tanaka gets the win. Chapman gets a save. Everyone looks good. I I think that does fare well because, like, in the kind of like a little superstitious, you know, Tino Martinez wins a home run derby. We win a World Series. Derek Jeter wins an MVP award. We win... A World Series, so hopefully that carries on like the past, and we win a World Series. But um, you know, overall, again, you know, with nothing on the line, I don't really care that much about the All Star Game. I was kind of in and out on it. Do you have any thoughts on it?
2: Yeah, uh, the guys look good. I think they represented the Yankees well. Um, I like that Tanaka struck out Cody Bellinger, foreshadowing you know what we will see in late August and what we might see again and in late October. Um, I was watching it too, and I was. I think I tweeted, I'm like, who's up after Gary? Like, let's get Gary out of there. I don't need to see him do anything else. He, I forget how many innings he caught, but James McCann was next up. And as soon as he went in, I'm like, okay, good. Keep our guys healthy. Um, get them out of this game and get them back to the Bronx, man. It's been a, a whirlwind between London, the All-Star game, um, Fourth of July in between that. Um, I think, you know, guys are still adjusting. You can tell by, I mean, a couple games that we've lost here that uh, were uncharacteristic of this Yankees team.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just like, just get home and get some sleep, guys. Like, get some rest. You know, we, we don't need you out there anymore. But we did open the second half with a three game series against the Blue Jays, which we took, winning uh, two games out of the three. Started off with uh, Domingo Herman starting off the second half strong. Six innings, three hits, no earned runs. Um, we win. You know, we scored four all in the uh, all in the fifth inning. So it was one of those games where. It's nice to watch Domingo kind of go out there, keep working. He works quickly. He doesn't, you know, go super deep in the game, but he gives us a solid six innings. So the bullpen isn't starting the second half, you know, being stretched out. It's interesting though to see like what what's going to happen with with Domingo. I, I think a lot has to do with the trade market. A lot has to do with, you know, Seve. Is he going to come back and be able to contribute? Does Domingo stay a starter? Does he go to the bullpen? Does he get totally shut down? And I feel like although. The Yankees have proven to not really give a shit about pressure from the media or the fans. Uh, there's a lot of pressure to just say, like, if you're saying he can only do 25% more than he's ever done before, like, who knows, you know, like the next pitch he could blow his arm out. Like, there's really not much science behind it. Let's just find a way to keep him going in some way. So even if it's like skipping a sword here and there, if it's him coming out of the bullpen, I think a good thing is between him and Seve, they've both said, like, I just want to contribute.
2: Yeah man and uh like watching Mingo I feel most confident when he's running out there. I mean that kid it's it sucks. It's a buzzkill that you know he's got an innings limit and we know that he's not going to be able to go too much longer and we're going to have to do something with him send him to the bullpen um whatever it might be but you know he's strong. Um I I'm still wondering why he's the ant ant man maybe uh he kind of
1: looks like an ant, like his face kind of looks like maybe
2: Maybe he's just getting roasted by Didi with the with the ants. But yeah, Didi brought back the uh, emoji tweets after that first win. Um, I I think that
1: that might be our biggest second half pickup. Oh, yeah, that's huge.
2: I was I was pumped to see that the ant, the parrot um, and see Didi brought that back because I thought he was just going to scrap it and it was going to be like a, you know, like a thing of the past last year thing. But, you know, he brought it back and uh, it was good to get the first win back. I was at the stadium. Um, Captain America, bobblehead night, uh, superhero night. Like they had that whole theme going on, even with like announcing the players and, um, playing superhero music throughout the, the stadium. The energy in the stadium was awesome. So, uh, great way to start and, uh, you know, great way to get back, but we've kind How of.
1: How been- was, how's the bobblehead? I so saw you did an unboxing video, which if you haven't seen, go on Keith's Twitter. It's very funny making fun of, I have two nieces and a nephew who are like nine and younger. And so obviously for years, they're at everything with a phone, like every family thing, you know, someone gives them their phone and they just watch unboxing videos. So I like, yeah. I know what they are. They're <laughs> very creepy. And I thought your impression where those people was, was very funny, Dude, but that's, like, that's did exactly this live? What up- I
2: was going for. I was just like, I don't know. I was thinking of a cool way to show the bobblehead instead of just like, um, Hey, look, look what I got. Um, And I just came to me. I was like, okay, I'm going to pretend to be one of these YouTube kids. Like, hey, guys, welcome to my channel. You know, this is me unboxing the Captain America bobblehead. I mean, it was super cool. Uh, It was a little smaller than the, like, Jedi Judge and the Jedi CC Sabathia bobbleheads. But I guess, you know, it's a little different. It's got Marvel, um, like, logos on it. And it's Captain America. So maybe they had to scale the size down. Either way, not everyone got one. I got to the stadium uh, a little late, I got to the stadium about an hour before first pitch, and I ran to gate eight, and I saw there were no bobbleheads. And then I ran back to gate four. I got in, no bobbleheads. Everyone said they were gone by like 5, five thirty, 30. And uh, got a shout out John Boy. John Boy, I linked with John Boy in the sweet Life of Batista, and John Boy had a bobblehead waiting for me. So I ended up getting that one, doing the video, and all is well that ends well.
1: Would you sneak up into the suite?
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, that's all it is, you know. Sweet life, sweet life of Batista, man. It's like, hey, man, if you got Yankees Twitter IRL in there, uh, I'm on my way. And then I just came through and John Boy was in there. And uh, my fiance was like, yeah, Keith is devastated. He didn't get a bobblehead. And I legit was. I was like, man, I had an idea for a video. And I had tweeted about it. I'm such a comic book nerd and a Yankee fan. This was the biggest bobblehead for me. And we didn't get to the stadium on time, honestly, because I had to pick up my girlfriend from work. En route to the stadium. And she talked to John boy and John boy is like, Hey man, I got one for you. And I was like, yes, the day is saved.
1: What is your commute like from the stadium? Like when we go, like we're going to go Friday night and then again, Saturday, like what are you home for like 30 minutes?
2: Um, <laughs> Yeah. It's going to be a quick turnaround. It's like an hour. Uh I would say it's, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's like, If you take uh, the PATH train to World Trade Center from Jersey City, that's just a 10-minute ride. If you take the PATH train from Jersey City to 33rd Street, it's about a 20-minute ride. And then the ride to the stadium, if you take it from World Trade Center, take the 4 train, I think that's about 45 minutes. If you take it from 34th Street to the stadium, it's about 25, 30 minutes. So it's not that bad. It's, It's usually about an hour. And I don't mind it at all. I'm used to coming like I've taken the trip from the Jersey Shore area. I've taken the trip from Carteret, Bayonne, other places that I used to live. Jersey City's the closest I've lived to the stadium. I don't mind taking that trip at all. I'm going Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this week and I won't even blink an eye at that commute.
1: You're a trooper. Yeah. I'm like I'm staying at a hotel on the Upper East Side and it's like I still I'm saying like around the corner from where I used to live when it was like 15 minutes door to door. Yeah. And like my biggest complaint is like, well, for Friday night game, it's like five. o'clock. like I can't even take a cab because we an Uber because yeah. it's going to take forever. Like I, <laughs> I, I got I got to take the train. That sucks. I mean, you it, know, there's
2: massive amounts of people. Everyone knows that when you're leaving Yankee Stadium, whether you're in the car or you're getting on the train, it's just so many people. That's why I usually pull the like, let's go to Billy's and chill move. Um but yeah it's not well
1: I do that I do that coming home. It's on the way there. Like I hate taking the train in the games because I get like I'm excited to get to the game, so I get like kinda antsy. So I'm like, I don't want to deal with the train because then you go and you see how many minutes it's gonna be, and then you're like, fuck that, you know. So uh so I like to Uber a lot of times to the game, but um I'll always I'll go to Billy's after, hang out, have a drink or two, and then Uber home after uh just so it's not you know dick to ass. Um on uh on Saturday the Yankees lost a heartbreaker. It's a two-to-one game. And they put – it came very close to losing their shutout streak. I think at the time it was like 172 games going into the ninth inning. We got very close to to losing it. It's weird to lose a game and be like, oh, well, at least we scored a run. Um, but it's kind of cool to just have that streak going. I think the biggest story out of that game is umpire calls. And I think it's the, like the hot topic in baseball right now. Uh, There's robot umpires in the Atlantic league. There are um, articles that have came out in April that are circulating. And so if you didn't see the games, there were just a bunch of questionable calls on the actual like balls and strikes, because I think with, uh, with replay, we've eliminated a lot of the errors in terms of, you know, plays around bases, fair, foul, home runs or not. But Balls and strikes are becoming more and more of an issue. So, as we get into it, just one number I want to throw out from an article I read earlier: in 2018, MLB umpires made 34,294 incorrect balls and strike uh, ball and strike calls for an average of 14 a game or 1.6 per inning. Many umpires exceeded that number, so that's just the average. And in 2018, a total of 55 games we're ended by umpires making the wrong call on the last pitch. So there That's are some, terrible,
2: you know, man. yeah, that sucks. There are, and we just it, experienced some of that, but like that number you just threw out that many games end on a call, an incorrect call.
1: Now, in, in that exact game, I think Luke Voigt, that was a strike. It, it showed on yes, yeah, was a strike. was a strike. He's got to swing the bat. Luke Voigt should be arrested for loitering around home plate after the yeah. past couple days. Uh, you got to swing the bat there. But there have been other plays, and really, like, when you dive in and you read articles about this, it's, like, it's crazy how, like, how often this is happening. And uh, when you actually look at it, because it's very easy to get on guys like Joe West because he's a fat piece of shit, but... Um, when you look at it like the older umpires are making far more mistakes umpires who are performing the best have an average of less than 5 years of major league experience and an average age of like 33 versus the guys who are making the most mistakes have an average age of like 56 yeah. and it's one of those things where i'm i don't necessarily want robo umps because i think then there's like an uh, a thing with technology where you say if it's not perfect um they have the ability to make the call Uh, i think in the atlantic league like they find out it's a ball or a strike and then they can change their they can change it if they think it's totally wrong but when you're just getting it in your ear like you're not paying as much attention like it's impossible to be like oh well someone's going to tell me what to say so yeah, I mean they're experimenting with it. You're not going to pay as much attention if you've got like an an AirPod in, and then you're like, oh no, that was wrong. Like whatever I heard, you, it's just impossible to do that. And when you know you look at the the ages of these guys, they're the best guys are less than five years of experience, average age of 33. The worst guys have a billion years experience. They're like 56 years old. And at a certain point, it becomes just like the players. You physically and mentally at a certain age, I don't believe can do this job anymore.
2: Yeah, it's like uh, they say old people should retake the driving test Um, there. You know, if they get to a certain age, they have to pass the driving test again or they're like a liability on the road. These guys are a liability behind the plate. It sucks watching the game and you see a guy like Aaron Judge who is, you know, he's killing it right now. He's seeing the ball very well. Um, bringing his average up over the weekend. He had a bunch of hits, and then you watch him get a you know low strike three call or even like the watching balls and strikes on him, his strike zone. These guys don't adjust the strike zone for him or they can't see it. And it's like, yo, come on. He, he gets it the worst. And then you know, on the flip side, you got a guy like Voight who's just, I don't know, watching everything go by him, hoping that it gets called for a ball. I, I'm, I'm fine with the computer umps. Um, I'm fine with uh, – this becoming a thing, what I'm not fine with is like, like you said, the older umps um, and the older guys and the numbers that you threw out about these guys, like something's going to change. And I mean, obviously they're making strides to change it by implementing these robot umps. Um, I think there's gotta be a better system, you know, like the same way we see the strike zone on TV. I think Fox will do the strike zone. Like maybe there's some way to put up some type of thing like that because with the, uh, like having it in your ear, and these guys calling it like it's it's a distraction to have that in your ear. There's no way you're you're paying that much attention, like you said, to where the the ball lands. If you're getting it in your ear, it it kind it's kind of like a like a cheat, like a, a aid.
1: Yeah. Have you ever have you ever umpired a game before? No. Like I did like literally when I was in like high school, I umpired like literally games, and I would even catch myself then. Just there were times when there was a, I behind the plate and a pitch would come in, and I would be like, oh shit, I wasn't paying attention. I'm like I gotta make I gotta make up a call here.
2: you know You could be in your own head. you could be thinking about what's for dinner after you leave. Like a lot of these umps I watch and I'm like, these guys just want to get out of here, you know And it's like is that gonna is that gonna affect uh, the game? Absolutely. Whatever's in these guys' heads or where, where they gotta go or you know even like I think I said something about like come on, uh, we're in Yankee Stadium and we're not getting these calls. like these umps aren't helping the home team.
1: Well, I mean, I, I don't think it's even a matter of like, I want them to help the home team so much as like this, you know, I think it was Boston University did this whole study and went through three different ways that uh, it was like Roto World somewhere else and like MLB like stats of like what was called, where the ball was and all this stuff and figured out how often people are making mistakes. And some of these guys are making mistakes 15% of the time, 15% yeah. of the time that they're making a call on a ball or a strike. They're making the wrong call. And there should be there should be measurement behind that. Now I'm not saying you have one bad year, you're out. But I think over time, it, you've got the metrics to do it. Um, we talked to your buddy who works for MLB, and he logged into some of the data that they're able to get to when we we're in London, and showed me how how much accents and from like this from the AI standpoint that they have of you know what they're able to see and how they're able to see pitches move and where they cross the plate and where they land and all this stuff, that like, why aren't we holding these guys accountable? Like, they're allowed to throw players out of games, but if they make a bad call and a player says something about it, the player gets fined. And now I'm ready for for a guy like Aaron Judge, who is the face of baseball to a certain extent. I'm ready for everyone on the team, and I know he's on a rookie deal, someone like a CC to be like, I'm going to eat that fine for you go out there, young man, and say what you have to say in a post game, and just be like, you know yeah. what? That call stunk. I'm held to a certain standard. Why isn't this umpire? Why doesn't someone just flat out say, hey, Manfred, how come you are not holding these guys to a certain standard of being good? The players are held to a certain level, a, a certain standard of how they have to act on and off the field, the, what they have to wear, what they can say. And that's all beyond the fact that obviously from a performance standpoint, they have to deliver, but these guys are not delivering. I'm a big fan of the fact that I think for any organization, you should have at least a 10% turnover. You should cut your bottom 10% pretty much every year because they're underperforming. They're down there for a reason. So if you say from like a rolling standpoint, if you want to say over a three-year period, like if you miss these many calls, you're gone. Or send them the AAA, let them do it there at uh, you know for less money. But these guys, they get up, they're making at least a league minimum, they're, they've are they got cushy jobs, and to a certain extent, you become tenured and nothing's going to happen. So why, there's no incentive for them to get better when it clearly shows that the guys who are first trying to get up there and make a name for themselves are performing much better, whether it's because they're younger, whether it's because they care more, whatever it is, they're doing it. And at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, it's costing teams baseball games. It's costing fans experiences. And these senior guys get the playoff assignments. They get all the glory for doing a worse job.
2: Yeah, it's the same guys. And we see the same guys to the point where we know their names and they're tenured. And I'm sure it's, there's some type of hierarchy or, or club of these guys. Like, hey, this guy is ump for X amount of years and he's this. But there should be more of a like sliding scale or performance tracker um, I don't know. Major League Baseball is working and trying to do better, but they're slow. You know, we, we see how slow, they on our, how slow they are on everything else. It's going to take them a while to figure this one out. And whether it's robot umps, whether it's getting a new crop of young guys in there to do it, um, something's got to change because we're all watching the game. And, and this whole human error thing that tradition, traditionalists like love or That people that have watched baseball forever say, oh, you got to leave the human error in there. Like that 15% that you were talking about, like how much is human error? 15% is that too much? Is that too little? Like I don't want that much human error, especially if it's the World Series, especially if it's the ALCS. Like it's got to be one way or another. It's pretty much black and white to me. From
1: 2008 to 2018, the average age of the worst 10 performing umpires is 56.1 years old. The average age of the top 10 um, in that same thing in terms of missing the least amount of calls is 33. So, like, call it ageism, whatever it is, but, like, you know, Cal Ripken can't sue because he's not allowed to play anymore. Like, he still wants to play, but he can't because he's too old. And even, you know, when you see, like, the best-performing guy missed 7.5% of balls and strike calls, I'll take that because, honestly, as I am a bit of, like, you know, I think as a pitcher, there's a bit of gamesmanship of you hit a corner and then you see if you can get that other quarter inch a little more and you kind of stretch the umpire. That's that's part of the game. I'm totally fine with that. But when the worst guy Jerry Lane is missing 14.18% of uh, calls, I think they just need to set like a um, uh, point and say like, listen, if you have over 12% of your calls just being being wrong. Like you get on a probation, that happens again, just like any other job. Then it happens again, Yeah, you're gone. And now maybe you then get umpires who are pressing or, you know, but really they're pressing to just make the right call. It's not like when you get put on like a pip at work and they're like, you know, you've got 30 days straight out, or you're fired and then that's kind of in your head and you can't do it right. All they we're really saying here is you just need to pay better attention and be better at your job because for this sport that's dealing with billions and billions of dollars, You're fucking it up.
2: Yeah, I think it's simple as that. I got nothing to add. Did you see in the
1: Atlantic League that we have um, uh, guys – we had the first steal of first base?
2: I did see that on Twitter, and I'm just like, okay. um, I think that is – so I'm all
1: for Major League Baseball. No, no, not the rule. I'm all for them experimenting with stuff in the Atlantic league and just an independent league, it doesn't matter to really yeah. anyone. But when you have something like that, where it's like, first of all, I think that's a stupid rule that if a wild, I was say, a, a I wild pitch, you could steal first base, but also you're trying it at a level where the players are just worse. Like they're not in Oregon, you know, they're not yeah. in federated baseball. They're playing independent league. So there's going to be more wild pitches there. You know,
2: the rule to me, it's like, that's, The NFL changes rules every year. Like, that's not something that I feel like Major League Baseball can just change. Um,
1: It changes the game. Like, the game is just different. Right. And I don't think that makes the game better. I don't think that speeds the game up, which is, like, their big thing. Like, when the NFL does it, or even when, like, Major League Baseball went and put in...
2: Safety uh, rules.
1: Yeah, safety rules or put in things about, like, replay to, like, hey, we want to get the call right. Because you want to get what happened on the field right. And I get, like... You can't challenge specific pitches. That's like too minute. I think you just make the umpires do a better job. But when it comes to players being safe, or was that a catch, or you know, was, were they inbounds in football? I think that all makes sense. I don't think this rule is something that helps baseball in any, in any way.
2: Yeah, no. I saw it on Twitter, and I kept rolling by it because I'm just like, okay, what does that do? Like, again, Major League Baseball, there's a hundred other things that need to be worked on, changed, fixed, like figure it out.
1: And I did see that Frank Viola, who's an old Major League Baseball player, and I actually had one of my first gloves when I was a kid, probably when I was like 10 or 12, uh, was a Frank Viola like model glove. And um, I, was ve- I, I, don't, I had no idea who he was. I think he played for the Mets. Um, he got ejected. He's a pitching coach for one of these teams. And there, the computer made a call, and it called it a strike. and Or no, called it a ball. He felt it was a strike. I don't even know what was real or what was right or what was wrong there. But then he said to the umpire, like, what was that? And the umpire said, like, you know, hey, it's my earpiece. You know, they said that's what it is. And he just yelled, well, why don't you do your fucking job?
2: (laughs) Right. And he got run. That's another thing. You can't have a place for the umps to, like, not be accountable and place blame. Oh, I got it from the earpiece. And it's like, these guys already make terrible calls. And this is. I think this is turning into a, like, slippery slope.
1: What happens when someone forgets to charge the AirPod?
2: Like, you know, like. Think yeah, about it, and it like, dies or like it cuts <laughs> off in the middle. No, in, in the middle of like game six. No.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I'm not for that current setup of like the AirPod thing. Maybe there is a robo way to do it. Um, I'm definitely not for stealing first base. But I am for just like holding umpires accountable for, you know, for what they're doing. Like they're getting paid a lot of money to go out there And they have a pretty cushy life. Like, I know they travel kind of like players. They do, on average, 112 games a year. But they're making more than the major league minimum. So I don't really feel that bad for them. And, you know, maybe some of these guys, it's time to put them out to pasture. Whether it's measuring it from this or also, I think there should just be a physical test. Like you yeah. ever see when you walk around New York and you just see like a super fat cop and you're like, how the fuck are you a cop? Like I could smack you in the mouth and run away and there's nothing you could do besides shoot me. Like you could never catch me.
2: You could <laughs> Radio it me. in.
1: Yeah. Like I think there's a certain point, like you said, with the driving test where like you got to get recertified that you can do this.
2: Yeah. And uh, like NFL, I think the NFL refs are pretty much in good shape because they have to run and, you know, watch out for people that are tackling other people in front of them. Uh, Guys like Joe West, I was watching the game the other day. I'm like, this dude is a weeble wobbler out there by second base, like making the call. He's like he has a little like hitch in his giddy up. This guy can't run. So there should be uh, like a stricter physical test, maybe an eye check. Definitely an eye check. And like some other things to just make it like, I don't know, there should be an elite level or an elite class of umps and your tenure has nothing to do with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm all for, and I don't know how it works now. I'm sure there probably is because they're in a union and everything like, sure. There's a pension. Like you could do this job till you're like 45. You get the job at 25. You do it for 20 years. You got a pension. You're making a good living. Then go do something else. Go, you know, go open an umpiring school. Or whatever it is, or maybe you can still do it after th- whatever the age is, but like you have to be performing at a certain level. I yeah, just think you gotta unfair. be sharp. It's unfair to the players. Um, so then uh, to wrap up that series, uh, Tanaka goes six innings, gives up two earned runs. Fucking Mike Talkman hits a home run that <laughs> everyone. So I was tweeting about how, like, I, I, I just don't know why Mike Talkman's on this team. And he made one diving catch and he hit a home run that meant nothing. It was like an A-Rod home run. A-Rod was the king of a ninth inning home run up by 3. And yes, it was an insurance run. I'm never going to be a Mike Talkman guy. But we got the win. Talkman didn't, you know, he's still a 230 hitter with 5 home runs on the year. So,
2: he's not Yeah, there. I mean the thing is, we bashed Mike Talkman, right? It started off with Tyler, Tyler Wade. Tyler Wade wasn't a good enough outfielder, so we pick up Talkman. He's had a crazy year. Then we hear stories about Tyler Wade and Talkman, like switching cars and yep. being in Florida, and I don't even know, man. Him beating Clint Frazier down to AAA. And I'm just waiting for him to get buried. And he's just staying alive. You know, Giancarlo got hurt. He's staying alive and he's making plays with his glove. And then he's in the nine spot. So he's seeing fastballs and he's got five home runs for the Yankee, Yankees. I know this guy did not think a year ago he'd be walking through any of this that he's walking through. And I mean, I can't even hate on it. I was like, hey, talk about it. is the guy like He's quietly like hanging around, even with like Mabin being hurt. He's still hanging around. And I mean, I don't like to see his name in the lineup, but then when he does, you know, knock a little home run out or make a little sliding catch, I'm like, yo, this guy's contributing still.
1: It seems like with Stanton being out for like he hasn't resumed baseball activities, we'll just kind of weave in some of the injury stuff here. Stanton being out, uh, at least through the end of July, they're probably saying into August. I think at this point. Especially with us still having a five-game lead, and I think that'll grow over time. I think the team is just saying, like, all right, well, we wanted to get you back. I think they wanted to get him back for London. I don't think they rushed him, but, like, they definitely wanted to get him back. But now there's nothing to, like, we have to get him back by aside from the playoffs that I could see them waiting until mid-late August to bring him back. So he's 100% and ready for the playoffs. And I think that opens a unique opportunity that I didn't think would happen. And Cameron Maben is ready to start a rehab assignment, and he's running on the field. He took batting practice. Uh, He still said he said, "I'm only at ninety eight percent, so Gardner's faster than me for now." So (laughs) you know, which I like to hear, just because it makes him part of the team, which is very hard in his position to be a part of the team. And I'll throw it to you so you can throw up his DUI.
2: Yeah, man, he's he's definitely clean. I know he's not playing that DUI game around here. I don't know where he's staying or where he's hanging at, but uh, I like his presence on this team. And he's he's a personable guy. I'm sure guys like him. I'm rooting for him to get back because it was kind of sad. Like he was he was killing it. He had a home run every day for like four days. And then the week after he gets hurt and it's like, oh, maybe that's all she wrote for Cameron Mabin's time uh, with this chase for 28 team. But no, he's, you know, he's working his way back. And I, I much rather see his name in the lineup than Mike Tauchman.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him come up, get more, get more playing time. Uh, Tockman, again, I don't think it's long term. Uh, but it's good to get two or three from the Blue Jays. I mean, they stink, so we're supposed to do that. One thing that I saw a lot of people bring up, because there's obviously talk about Marcus Stroman and, you know, can we trade for him? And then there's talk that in um, in games, he start, he's pitched in 10 games at uh, Yankee Stadium, and he has a six one three ERA. And for any stadium that he's pitched more than twice in, that's the highest ERA he has. So a lot of people saying like, look, you know, yeah, maybe he's pitching the A at least and he's been all right, but uh, clearly he can't pitch at Yankee Stadium. But I think people are just forgetting one key thing from where he's pitching <laughs> for Yankee Stadium now and yeah. where he would be. And that's changing the dugout where you don't have to face Aaron Judge. <laughs> like you don't have to face yeah. these guys. The biggest thing about becoming a Yankee is that you don't have to face the Yankees anymore.
2: Yeah, I think Strowman would be just fine. And if we have to get a guy at the deadline, he's up there in the like two or three guys. It's like him, Bauer. Now they're throwing out Robbie Ray. I don't want to see Madison Bumgarner. I think someone tweeted us about Zach Greinke. And I'm like, was that a thing? Um, Who else? Uh, Boyd. Like, no, I think really we're looking at Bauer, Strowman. Uh, maybe Robbie Ray. And I think Strowman comes alive in New York. He's from New York. He's a Long Island kid. I think
1: Strowman wants it. Like, Strowman's dropping He definitely every wants
2: hit. it, you know? And it I was a slight audition for him um, this past weekend, but it, it wasn't like he ruined it. You know, he had a great six inning. And I think I tweeted, yo, go get that guy. Uh, I would love to see the Yankees with a, a, a short black guy that pitches in the Bronx with a rag under his fitted, like, that's very authentic New York. I was wondering, <laughs> like, do, you get think that guy. do you
1: think they'll let him wear the durag? I was actually thinking that.
2: I, think- I mean – they might if be matches, like, like if, if it's a navy blue one, like he wears the royal blue one with the blue jays, yeah, why not? It's like a, th- it's kind of like a headband or like a, you know.
1: I think they might be like it has to be tucked up, just from like, and yeah, not, no, even, it, not even from it like is a, tucked. not it even is from tucked. like, yeah, well, I know it's not hanging, like he's like smoking a if cigarette. He had on the, it.
2: If he had the flap out, that would be so g. That would be that would be the most gangster thing ever to see him come out to the mound. No, he should just come out with the flap hanging and then like tuck it up. Like when he's like ready right before first pitch, <laughs> or
1: just games he's not pitching, just have the flap. Just out be in and the and dugout out. with yeah.
2: the fitted and the flap out in the back. Yeah, with a cigarette. One of the greatest moments in do rag history would be Marcus Stroman with a Yankee hat on and a do rag. Like <laughs> the internet would explode on that.
1: Oh my God! White Yankee fans would be like, "What the fuck?"
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> the Bronx, the Bronx. Everyone in the Bronx would be wearing a Yankee hat with a, with the a do rag flap out the next day.
1: Except for every guy named Angelo would be like. Whoa, what the fuck is this guy doing over here? <laughs> what is this guy doing? He's wearing the pinstripes? And when he's, he's out there hanging out with this there? What is this?
2: Desus yeah, um, Jesus would love it. I know uh, my guy, uh, Uncle Biz. I don't know if any of our listeners know Uncle Biz, but he's always got the do-rag and the hat because he's like stuck in the 2000s. He's from Long Island. I know he would love to see Strowman come over here and do that. <laughs>
1: um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still for Strowman. I mean, I don't – I want Strowman without having to – uh see Clint Frazier. Like
2: I think we could yet. figure out a deal that doesn't involve sending Clint to Toronto. And I don't know. At this point, like I'm not afraid of that.
1: I think right. it's getting late in as time goes on, like it's just like the prices drop, you know, and there haven't yeah. really been like these huge deals that have happened. So I like our positioning. Like you're seeing little deals here, Maldonados going to the Cubs, you know, small deals back and forth, no real blockbuster moves. And I still think, like, the biggest trade of the year has been Encarnacion for anyone.
2: Yeah, that was definitely the biggest surprise, made the most headlines. Um, I don't think the Red Sox getting Cashner does anything. I don't think Oakland getting Homer Bailey does anything. Like, uh, I mean, those are what we've heard this week, and they they haven't really moved the needle for anyone. No one's really, like, tweeting about that. They're not breaking the internet with those moves.
1: And it's kind of interesting because if you talk about, like, any deals that we talk about it's like well what package and what like how many top prospects can you get but for the trades that have happened now Kashner has career like not been great he's having the best year of his career and the Orioles sent him and money for yeah. two 17 year olds we got the home run leader in the american league for a double a pitcher who we got from seattle like two years ago like the teams are giving up players for like nothing to get rid of them and you know again like if you're Toronto and you really want this huge thing for Stroman and no one gives to it so what are you going to do you're just going to keep going with a player who's openly said like I know I'm getting traded I think prices aren't going to be as high as, uh, as they were and we have a guy like Clint Frazier as like Kind of the, an ultimate trade chip to like, do you want a major league ready outfielder who's already hit 10 home runs this year and we're punishing in Scranton?
2: Yeah, and then people are talking about the Mets and Syndergaard and us trading uh, Garcia, and I don't see any of that happen. I think Cashman came out and said something about like, we're not trading Garcia. The kid's 20 years old. He's just making his first uh, AAA start, or did he? Was it last night? I think, I think it, it was last night. Yeah, I think it was last night. Um, either way, man. I'll say this in cash, we trust. And with the prices falling, I trust that Brian Cashman is going to finesse the whole league and figure out a way to bring in one, maybe two more arms, whether it's two starters, one starter, a starter and a reliever just to bolster this lineup. And just to show the rest of the league, like we're making this push it's world series or bus. And we've got everybody in line now. And I mean, we're, we're going to talk about the injuries a little bit more, but if we make some moves at the deadline and bring in another starter, another reliever, and then we get Dylan and Sevy back, no worries.
1: Yeah. And I think for people, because it got asked today by a guy, Diego, and then a lot of numbers, and it's too many numbers for me to read in your handle, because you remind me of like girls with their AIM profiles in the 90s. <laughs> Screen um, name. People are asking about Zach Ranke, and I've seen it come up other times. Um, Zach Ranky will not be good in New York. He's a great pitcher. He doesn't want to be in New York. He has like a social yeah, anxiety disorder. Um, we've been over that. Some people say mentally weak. He can't handle it. So it's not going to happen. Um,
2: and that, But he did go to L.A. I remember when, when he was thinking about. No one, in LA, no
1: one in L.A. gives a shit, though.
2: Like, yeah, it's, LA, it's way different. But
1: yeah, it's way different than like in L.A. You've got the Kardashians and like. The
2: Lakers, the Clippers. Yeah,
1: like no one gives a fuck about baseball there. Like, yes, they go out, they sell it. There are some Dodger fans, but like no one's from LA. Everyone's kind of a transplant. Who's like, oh, I'll go. Or it's, you know, but in New York, like we get angry. And a prime example of that angry was last night's Yankee game. And because we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, the Yankees were down. They come back. They tie it. Edwin hits a two-run home run in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, we we're feeling good four to two. Chapman goes out there, gets two guys on, gets two outs. And then uh, Travis Starnode gives hits his third home run of the game on a two two pitch slider, left some uh, some plate on it, and flicked it over the right field wall uh, to for us to lose five two. Um, it's Chapman's fourth blown save of the year. It's the first one that actually resulted in a loss. We're four months into the season. Uh, a lot of people were upset, like in the moment, like I'm pissed off, but overall it's a game in April and yes, they brings them the five games instead of six games, which would have been seven games behind us. Um, but it's one of those things for me where I'm just like, it's a fluke. Like Travis Starnode stinks. He hit 098 for the Mets. They cut him. Um, we did have uh, Tim TS wave. 1-3-6-3 three, three says after horrible loss to the Rays on Monday, what do you guys do to get over it and move on? I just try to remember, like it's a long season. And these are, you know, a guy yeah. like Chapman is a really good pitcher. Now, if I was, if, it's a thing where like he lets two guys on base, like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna pull around this chapman because two guys on, no outs? No. Um, now if he goes out there and we put him in a save opportunity, say tuesday wednesday or like you know thursday and the same thing happens then it's up to aaron boone to make some moves you know to to try to figure it out obviously larry rothschild's not going to do shit um so like in that case that's when you start to get mad but right now as a guy sitting at home like i can't give him a talk so like i just move on and get ready for tomorrow's game same way the players do
2: Right. And I'm not mad at it, man. Uh, you accidentally said it's a it's a game in April. It's a game in July. Same difference as one game in April. And sometimes we need these reality checks, man. A, a hard loss like that when everyone's thinking game in the bag, getting ready to sing, start spreading the news and Chapman gives it up. It's like, OK, you guys got to like finish these games. You know that, right? Like a team like the Rays is not a slouch. Yeah, we're, we're kind of big boy in them, little brother in them, but like they can steal these games from us. And even Ed Wing after the game, you know, he had his best performance as a Yankee. Uh, dumbass Major League Baseball Twitter was like, oh, uh, Edwin earns his pinstripes. And no, he didn't. We lost. And he said that, you know, like, oh, it's great to have two home runs in a game, but the result wasn't the result we wanted. We got to finish those. And it's OK. Um, I don't know. Travis Darn, not like I look at him every time he comes up to the plate, he looks like a guy they picked up off the street. And they showed last night his numbers with the Dodgers and his numbers with the Mets versus his numbers with the Rays. And I, I tweeted out, "Yo, fake ass Yankee killer coming up to save the day. And he did it. Good for him. I'm sure this moment um, or these moments that he's had. He had one in Tampa where he uh, he walked us off and then he just had the moment last night where he stole the game in the ninth. Good for him, but that's not going to mean shit when we watch them. Like that's not going to mean anything when uh, the postseason comes. It's one game. People got to chill out. I swear, uh, you know, I know a lot of our listeners probably don't even tweet or use Twitter, but I swear, Yankee Twitter is the worst. It's like they're so ready to panic and jump on a guy like on a guy like Chapman and question Boone and everything else. I'm like, it's one game. It's one mistake. It's a bad pitch that turned into a three run bomb to take the lead. It's okay, though. We can still take the series, and we most likely will. So, like, come back off the ledge. It's not all doom and gloom. Like, we're a good team, and we're not going to win every game. I know we get used to winning every single game. I know we get used to uh, rolling through everybody. But, yo, we're going to lose some. And I'd rather lose some right after the All-Star break than to be losing them in uh, a month or two from now.
1: Yeah, I mean, and with a four-game series, like, The same thing, you know. You don't want to lose that game we lost to Toronto, but we win that series. If we go out here, we win these next three games. Or let's say we just split this series. We're still up. We're still right where we started the week, and we've knocked four games off their schedule. Because it becomes we're not quite in a prevent defense, but at the same time, every day that goes by is less days for anyone to try to catch us.
2: You know what the real issue is? That, I mean, it sucks right now. But we're missing Michael K and John Sterling right now. Sterling's back. No, Sterling just uh, Sterling's not going to be on. I think they said Carino, the guy, one of the, uh, Chris Carino, um, who calls games for the Nets, is filling in for for him tonight. Like something's up with John. Well, and, he was uh, back the
1: other day because they, I think they posted a picture of him and Susan back in the booth.
2: I haven't caught a WFAM broadcast in the last couple of days, but I think I John is back a, out. I haven't
1: caught one in a decade
2: because <laughs> there's
1: a billion other ways to do it. That's why right, when people are always like, what was his call for that home run? Who gives a shit? It's
2: not I mean, the, It's not. Sometimes I love, I mean, if you have the like, app, bad app, and you're like doing stuff, you can just like listen to the audio and you can get the WFAM feed. But yeah, I think there's some weird energy right now with the Yankees not having the two voices of the Yankees calling the games. Ruko done a good job. I'm sure this, uh, the Carino dude will do okay. And there's something else going on, man. Susan Waldman has a black eye right now because she stepped on like a rake during the all-star break. Like, yo, (laughs) like sideshow. I'm I'm a very like, (laughs) yeah, like the cartoon, uh, the Simpsons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's something going on with our announcers, man. They're having a string of like illness or bad luck. And I think it's affecting the team subconsciously in a weird universe type of way, like, you know, I'm always talking about universe and things we're not playing. We're not looking like what, like we're not looking like we're supposed to look right in the first half of the season, it was never say die 27 outs. This team's going to come back. Even if Chapman gives it up, we're going to come back and win it. Even if we're down, uh, because Tanaka gives up four runs, we're going to come back and win it. We're not really looking like that right now. And I think that's because the people calling the game aren't really calling the game like that. Even last night, um, uh, Singletary, Ken Singletary said something like, okay, the, the Yankees look to put a bow on their 60th win. Don't even speak on that yet. Like, it's not done. We're, we're, we haven't got to 60 wins yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're, uh, I think they just need to find a groove. Like, it's one of those things, it's a long season, you get the time off, um, you know, for the all-star break, where like, you're just, tr- you know, you're trying to find your groove. And like, let's say Chapman doesn't blow that game yesterday, and like Edwin's home run could be like, all right, now we're finding our groove. Now you just got to like find that moment. And on the mound tonight, uh, obviously this will be yesterday from when you're listening to this, you've got CC who's like the best stopper in baseball
2: bounce back night. And yeah. that's exactly what we should do with CC's leadership out there tonight. Yeah. And their opener Um, forget who, who's, who's the opener for them tonight. I really don't even care. Like, Uh, The over-under was set at 10, so they're expecting runs. Like, we got to come back tonight, and I'm sure we'll bounce back after losing a game like that last night. And these things build character. This team has a lot of character. We'll be just fine. Yeah,
1: I'm not worried about it. It's, uh, you know, people are like, I saw people all day. Like, I just can't get over last night. I think back to a Bronx tale. Mickey Mantle makes $100,000. You think he gives a shit? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's another day.
2: Yeah, like, yo, you guys got to chill out. Everybody, I mean, imagine if there was t- Twitter back when Mickey Mantle played. Like, everybody get off of it. Imagine Mickey Mantle's DMs. Oh, man. That'd Fire. Be- yeah. I've yeah. seen some professional athlete DMs before. Uh, I'm sure Mickey Mantle would have had all of the models and strippers and everything else <laughs> shooting their shot. He's, he's the best.
1: Um, other injury updates. Severino and Batances are back to throwing. So we'll see. Maybe we get them back in August. There are some people who are like, well, it's going to take Seve six weeks to be ready to go. So if you look at that, it's like, all right, well, that's pretty much September. Then really, how effective can he be? He has said, like, even if he could come back sooner as a 75 pitch starter or a long reliever or whatever it is, he just wants to help this team. That's the uh, attitude I want. We're not hearing a ton from Betances. You just hope that uh, he's all right because there's been like suspicious medical stuff around it, which like we you don't need around the team. But those two guys could come back, make an impact on the team, give some other guys you know a breather who've been carrying the team this year, and you know it, it's a way to maybe see some more Domingo. So hopefully they get back soon. But as we go around the league, let's talk about it, Mister Universe himself, Keith. Now, a pitcher died for the angels. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, Tyler Skaggs. very sad. We still haven't heard an autopsy. We, they've said it'll be like October 2nd before it comes out. I think that's a good thing because there was no like there were pills there or anything like that. So hopefully it was just natural causes. Um, I'm on Twitter the other night. And I see that the Angels' first home game, they're going to go ahead and they're going to wear, I'll wear his jersey. And I'm like, that's very nice. I think that's a great thing. Then I see that Mike Trout hits a home run in the first thing. They're like, oh my God, Mike Trout hit a home run wearing Tyler Skaggs' number. That's like got to be him. My immediate, because I am kind of a pessimist, realist, is I don't think he hit that home run because he's wearing Tyler Skaggs' jersey. I think he hit it because... He's Mike fucking Trout, and he's the best player in baseball. That's why he had a home run. Then you start to dive into the numbers. Uh, the home run, was, so he was number 45. The home run was 454 feet, so it's a palindrome of his number. They scored seven runs in the first inning, 13 runs in the game. His birthday was 713. They did this, and the game finished a complete game. Team no-hitter uh on the 12th right before it would have been the 13th the last time there was a team combined no hitter in the state of california was the day that tyler skaggs was born so then you just start to go wow that's a lot of stuff
2: yeah baseball gods they're real um I think you pretty much hit everything that was like strange, like the numbers wise. You said that his mom threw out the first pitch, right?
1: No, so I did say that. That's the thing. Okay. That,
2: so at first,
1: I'm going to be honest, when I saw, I saw what Debbie Skaggs, I think her name was, threw out the first pitch. And I was like, oh, that must be his wife because like his mom is, looks like kind of young. She's in very good shape. Like I'm not trying to be disrespectful. She is in very good shape. And yeah. also, I had to look her up just because I was like, yo, that, that was athletic.
2: Like, yeah, it was a good, like way better than any celebrities she, come out there. And she's do. a
1: softball coach. She's a Makes softball sense. coach. So that's what was. I was like, yo, she's got an arm. Like what the hell? Like if you ask my mom to go do it, like it'd be embarrassing.
2: Yeah, man. They said it was a uh, 11th no hitter in franchise history. Skaggs wore number 11 in high school. Um, there was just like people pulling different, like strange things. I think you said the last one, the last no hitter in California was on his actual born date the day he entered the world. Um, I got this alert on my way back from Yankee stadium and I tweeted, I was like, why am I getting alerts about a combined no hitter for the angels? I don't care about this. And then I immediately deleted the tweet because I realized what was going on. And I'm like, Oh wait, this is crazy. And uh, me personally, like being in the fan cave, I, I talk a lot about the baseball gods. Cause we watched a lot of stuff happen there. I think, um, I mean, we saw Jeter's, uh, last game where he had the hit. Uh, I think we saw Josh Beckett throw a no hitter that year um, and somebody else. But I believe in the baseball guys. I believe in uh, the numbers, the universe, all that stuff being connected. And when you see something like that, how can you not like that? That was amazing.
1: Yeah, I believe in coincidences. I think it's a lot of
2: interesting coincidences. <laughs> no way. There's no way there's that many coincidences.
1: Well, I mean, the 454 feet is very nice, but like that's not scientifically measured.
2: I mean the four or five, that's all it is. You know, that that ball could have went four forty and then it wouldn't have been anything. Could but be four could be
1: four thirty-nine. Could be four sixty.
2: No, it was all connected. It was all connected. And I said it when he when he passed. I'm like, the angels in the outfield thing and the fact that these are the angels and the halos, like there's some type of deeper connection there. And he was definitely in the in the building. There's too many things that were going on uh in that night and in that game and on the eve of his birthday. It's just, it's just energy and you can feel it. I'm sure they felt it there. So uh, I was happy to see it. I wish more people talked about it. I wish it see, led sports center and, you know, more people made a bigger story about it because that's amazing. I think it was
1: a huge story. I think it was like, I think it was, yeah, it's, it's,
2: it's a huge story and it is to us in baseball, but like it already, like it hasn't even been a week and it's already been like died down. Like, I don't know. I feel like it, uh, it, it could have been covered more and talked about more.
1: I think that's the Mike Trout problem. I think it's the East
2: coast bias. Yeah, that too. That too. Right, because then, uh, Cause you know, the, if you really think about it,
1: yeah, it happened. You know, at like it happened one at, in the at like
2: midnight, midnight yeah. one in the morning, and people on the East Coast wake up to it, and it's not the same effect.
1: Yeah, I mean, are you one of those people, Do you believe in like the afterlife? Like you said, like he was
2: there. I I, I believe in like your spirit, and like you might leave your physical body. And I feel like your spirit can be in multiple places, and of course he he was there. And um, like, there's too many things that happen. There's too many numbers and too many things that they can draw from. Uh, he was definitely in that stadium that night. That was his no hitter. Uh,
1: I think the lights just go out and it's over. But ah, we're very different. I like that about us.
2: <laughs> the lights just go out and it's over. No, I think that's it. Yeah. I feel like I feel. But like I'm we terribly all...
1: afraid of death. I'm I'm terribly afraid of death. I've gone to yeah, a therapist well, to talk happen. about it. It's yeah.
2: it's fact you you can bet on it it's definitely gonna happen but I feel like it's it, no there's no way you live a life and then it's just just done like you're you, like think about when you dream and you go to sleep and you you have these wild dreams or nightmares and you're in a different place it's like when you die like that subconscious goes somewhere and you keep moving and then things are connected and I don't know i, I I've always believed in that I can't explain it because I, I you know I haven't died or seen any uh, afterlife or anything, have anything to confirm it. But I just don't think people die and um, that's it. I just think there's too much with your like spirit and energy and soul uh, that in the afterlife, you know, you definitely can reach out or in small signs or ways connect with the living still.
1: That sounds exhausting. Like, I think I'm ready. Like when it's over, like I'm ready for it to be done. I think my biggest fear with death is that I don't think anyone will tell as good a story about it as I would.
2: No, nah, and then I, I don't see like I don't,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, I, just don't so, think. So I don't think just, it'll be as exciting without me. Well, what if you
2: die? Story. What if you die of old age in a in a bed in a hospital bed? There's no story to tell.
1: No. So like then I I think I'll be fine with it. I think I'll hit a certain age where I'm like, all right, like I'm ready to go. But like if I got hit by a car tomorrow, it'd be like, yo, I probably have a sick story about like seeing that car and like what was going on and no one's going to hear that story or be able to tell it but it's
2: not it's not supposed to be a sick story it's it's death like you're not you're not supposed to have like a cool story it's sad
1: that's me living positively though i think i'm gonna die cool (laughs) okay bro (laughs) um other things going on just like listen i just want to quickly touch on it um the dodgers beat the red sox and the dodger fans have been Traveling, there were a ton of them in Boston. There were MVP chants for Cody Bellinger, and I live in Philly. The Dodgers are here in Philly, and they're they're, new. It was there were a billion Dodgers fans here last night. They're new
2: fans. They go to the World Series the last couple years. They're all new fans. That's what I. That's what I chalk it up to.
1: I'm talking. There are videos of like hundreds of Dodger fans together, like walking as a
2: pack. But that's a
1: that's a group. so I'm just uh, saying they're, they're traveling well. Like, I don't know if it's like, hey, you know what? We're all going to take off this week and go on this East Coast trip. But, like, it's impressive. I like to see that shit.
2: I feel they like it's a Yankee, to Yankee fans, Stadium. I'm trying to find. I'm Googling the name. Pantone two, two, nine, four. Oh, it's a thing. It's a thing. That's got to so, be. That's
1: there. That's got to be whatever the Dodger blue, like whatever the code is to the paint. If you go to, like, Home
2: Depot. I have no idea what what that that, is, but they're like the Pantone crew. And I'm actually, I'm trying to uh, go out there in late August and I'll rendezvous with those jokers, but they came to Yankee stadium in 2015 and they ran shit. Like I'm telling you, like I've never seen a group mob in Yankee stadium where like Yankee fans, we had nothing for them. And the Yankees beat us that night. Uh, Pantone 294, my girl Serena uh, from the fan cave. She was a Dodger fan the year I was in there. She knows all about them. They throw these like, big parties and barbecues and tailgates at Dodger Stadium. If I get there, which I plan on going to this game, I will document that and try and run into some of the leaders of this Pantone 294. Those guys are real Dodgers fans. Go Dodgers! Go it Do- Do- No, they say, uh, go Dodgers! Those guys have been out there for a long time. But there are some fans mixed in that are just like these new fans that see the Dodgers go to the World Series and they buy a blue LA hat and now they're on the bandwagon. Like oh, that's how good. there's all these Warriors fans.
1: You got to get some new people, and you're like, you need new fans. People die. Um, yeah, grow the game. But it's
2: great, but like I wish the, I've I wish never the seen had this. something like that.
1: Like I wish we had. Like I think Bronx pinstripes. Like we're we're getting closer. We're to starting. That. It. We're continuing right, we're to grow. Um, so I'm excited about that. Which brings us to this Saturday. So this Saturday we are going to be. At Yankee Stadium, ninety-eight degrees, maybe ninety-nine degrees. Sun going down, and all right. If we're in there for the first inning, at what point does you do you pop your top?
2: Uh, I don't know. I was thinking about that because like we get the free shirts, so I'll probably show up in the sh- in the free shirt. But once that shirt you is, gonna, is are, sweated are you it gonna, out,
1: are you gonna? You should just like. I, I don't know how. I feel like there's a thing like once you reach like a certain uh, like body mass uh thing where like you get this skill to like cut the sleeves off your shirt but so it goes deep and like shows your sides where like i have fat you know like you can do that like <laughs> yeah, you could do that I
2: ribs i have ribs yeah, yeah. there yeah um, you could do that
1: like that i don't want I to cut
2: the sh- shirt I, I want to see the shirt because from what scott and andrew were saying on on the podcast like it's got like a something with dj Lemayhu, oh, maybe I, with oh, the I've rockies tie-in since we're playing the rockies so it might be a oh, t-shirt that it. i want to i want to wear I don't know if I want to cut the sleeves off. Um, So what I'm going to do is just sweat it out. And then once it's sweated out, I'm not going to wear a damn shirt. I'm just going to be out there fully flexed.
1: All right. So this is kind of a section where I get to, on behalf of white people, ask white people questions to a black man. One, I've seen this (laughs) joked about a billion times. Can you get sunburned?
2: Nah, man. I mean, some black people can. But I – I'm 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 blessed I am the tan shade where like I get a little darker in the summer but I've never had sunburn I played football when I was younger would be out in the sun all day never got sunburn Um, some black people though can get sunburn
1: now without getting sunburn with your skin tone. Is there like skin damage though? Like, can you get skin cancer from being in the sun, but like you don't get the burns that we get over time?
2: I can't speak on behalf of all black people. You don't speak on behalf of all. Like I'm just, you know. Yeah, but uh, people are listening to this. I can't generalize and say, no, no, we're all good. I personally am Teflon. Like I don't have any issues with the sun. Uh, I'll get a little darker, which is welcomed because then, you know, I I use the darkest emoji shade and uh, then I match it. Um, but no, I don't get sunburn. I don't get any type of skin disease or any type of, no, the sun, sun doesn't really, uh, phase me like that.
1: Okay. So now the next thing you have been growing out your hair the whole time I've met you. When I first met you, you had a nice lineup. Yeah, You still get a nice lineup, but you're growing out the Afro. And so you posted a video on your Instagram. You could follow Keith on Instagram at Keith McPherson follow him on twitter at keith underscore mcpherson you posted the video and your fro is like perfect it was like perfectly shaped it's big too yeah um, it's getting there and so i was like wow i commented like whoa that's getting big gonna look great with the fanny pack because keith will have no shirt on but he will be wearing a fanny pack on saturday
2: <laughs> that's gonna be great shirtless with the, with the fanny pack like over my shoulder and nice. the fro out and i'm gonna i'm gonna wear the fro out
1: okay so you said I forget the exact quote, but you said, nah, I might let it curl up by then. And I yeah. said, I'm gonna add that to the list, and I did. I just put it qu- quotes curl up. What <laughs> what is what is so, that mean?
2: So right now, I've seen
1: I've seen you in person and your hair isn't as like kind of puffy as it was in that video. Right. It's
2: more curly. So there are three there are three ways that I can wear my hair. Right. And listen, now, this is
1: a baseball podcast, so it's a lot of white people, so pay attention.
2: <laughs> listen up, white America. This is how black people do their hair. No, this is how I do my hair. Speaking for me, Keith McPherson. So right now I have the fro, and it is combed out. Combed out means you pick it out, you blow dry it out, and you get it to its like fullest extent. That's what you saw in the video on like my Instagram. Josh, like it's Josh like, Childress.
1: That's what I thought of.
2: Yeah, it. it's like like Jared Allen from the New York Nets, like on New York Nets, the Brooklyn Nets. I should have said New Jersey Nets. That fro that he has, like, the fro, and then I wear the, like, Nike, like, headband, like, that's what I was going for. That's one way. Usually, when you see me at the stadium, I'll have it curled up, which is just naturally, like, it'll curl up from, like, shampoo, conditioner, and then over time, like, going to sleep and just doing whatever, like, natural, like, curls. Like, my hair will get curly and curl up. And then the third one is sponged up black people listening to this young black men on an, an invention invention came out like this sponge with holes in it that if you you sponge up your hair you like I don't know do a circular motion over your fro it gives you these like like circular twists so those are the three combed out the fro is picked all the way out natural curled up or sponged up
1: okay and so right now so Froed out is a matter of like, you just, it's essentially like you just washed your hair and you did it.
2: Yeah. And that's the most maintenance to like yeah. comb your hair out and like blow dry it out so that you can get the full body fullness of it. Yeah. That's, that's a high maintenance. Um The natural curl is like some people like I have, I have really nice hair, I think, but some people have I lower think quality you did hair and it's like their shit is nappy and it doesn't look that good. That's not really like – that's not cool. My hair naturally curls up and it looks nice. I'm blessed. But then the sponge gives it even a whole nother like texture where like sometimes you'll see these like it almost looks like very symmetrical in my hair. That's when the sponge has hit it.
1: Well, there we go. Now I'm learning. Now I know. I mean I know your sister was impressed with my questioning
2: yeah she liked that because i mean my sister and i have the same parents obviously and we have like the same hair same texture same kind of hair like she knows she knows the drill and i've watched her do her hair uh her whole life me i used to keep the hair cut short you guys will meet me eventually when i cut this fro off and i just wear a yankee hat all the time but when it's not do you wear a wave cap nah i mean but I, i know what that is oh well yeah the the wave cap the wave cap Is the same as the do rag, like for what you're trying to do. If you're trying to get waves, when I do get waves, I wear the do rag. The wave cap I I have worn, but like I prefer a do rag over the wave cap.
1: Okay. All right. See, so I know like some stuff about like the black (laughs) and Spanish community, but when it comes to hair, like hair is, it's like the biggest no no. Like you're not supposed to, you don't, you don't talk about it. It's just like, and you definitely don't touch it.
2: Yeah. Even with like barbers, right? Like I'll, I'll pull up on some of these barbers. Like I live in Jersey city and I haven't found a good barber here. And I, the first thing I'll ask I'm like, yo, no offense, but do you know how to cut black hair? Like you cut brothers. Like, do you know how to like, and some of them say yes, whether Hispanic, white, whatever, but then they don't like, I don't know. It's just, everyone's different, man. We're all created equal, but we're not like everyone has different like hair texture, quality, different skin, stuff like that. And You know, it is what it is. You got to know how to navigate it and how to, you know, do it up the best and, you know, do what works for you.
1: Well, well, that was a good lesson for everyone, Uh, especially old white people like me. Uh,
2: (laughs) So random people are going to review this and be like, we don't care about Keys No. We talk they do. About the Yankees. They
1: do. They do. There's no more Yankee talk. Listen, we're gonna win the World Series, all right? Go fucking camp out for the parade. I got another question for you. <laughs> I think we're just gonna start. I'm just gonna ask you questions at the end of every podcast. This
2: That's fine. This is this is educational. This
1: has nothing to do with being black. Um, you are friends with Kobayashi? Yes. Talk so I you. I saw you go to like an event that he was at maybe like two months ago, and then I saw you were at his thirty for thirty thing, and I just thought it was like, oh, you got invited to this thing through like a PR company. And then like he was there and he took pictures with people. But yeah. you're actually friends with Kobayashi.
2: Yeah, just because, I mean, Takaru Kobayashi is a legend. And when I was in high school, it was like the prime of his career. And um, I mean, I worked at MTV and I used to go back and he's like, this thing at MTV is his vault where you could watch like old true lives. And even when I was in high school, I watched his true life. I'm a comp- competitive eater. And it just showed him like lifting and then going to like dinner and like, facing off against these chefs that would cook him massive plates. And I'm like, damn, I love this dude like pause and all that. But I'm like, this guy lifts weights and then he's like a competitive eater. He like calls himself like a food fighter. Like he destroys food. So I met him uh, a couple months ago through transition SE and, uh, There was this event that like Evan Ingram, the tight end from the New York Giants was at and some of these other important people. That's
1: the thing that I saw you at first.
2: Right. The esports thing. But when he walked in the room, I'm like, yo, Kobayashi. I'm like, yo, I'm like, let me get a selfie. And I, I just start like spilling my heart to this dude. He doesn't even really speak English that great. But his wife, Maggie, super cool, awesome person, translator, ride or die for him, got his back. I met her. Exchange numbers. You know, we we've got Instagram, Twitter handles. He followed me on Twitter right away. He shares some of my stuff on on um Instagram, and when I came back from London, the like first day back from London, first full day back from London, was his thirty for thirty premiere, and uh, they were having it in the Lower East Side, and I was like, oh, I gotta be there for that, and. It was super cool to just like literally watch his story on the screen and be sitting right next to him, like eating hot dogs with him. And then at the end, they had like a Q&A and I got to ask some real questions. And at the end, you know, they thanked us for coming like genuinely. And it was like, hey, like, let's just stay in touch and stay friends. And we have. And I don't know. I, I like look forward to seeing him next. He's a uh, he's a good person. And I feel like he got a bad rap with the whole hot dog eating contest and the narrative that they pushed of like America versus Japan with him and Joey Chestnut, but like yo, he's he's solid man, and I I hope to uh you know keep a friendship with him.
1: Yeah, no, I was just curious like how you knew Kobayashi because like I, like I said, I saw you meet him, and then like you mentioned casually, like you guys were friends. Um, and like I don't, it's one of those things. Like I I don't even care on the Fourth of July. Like it's funny to watch the hot dog eating contest. I would like to see. I saw him get like interviewed by TMZ, and he was like, Oh, well. They're, like, you know, five grams smaller in the store of the hot dogs now than they were, like, back in my day. I think Joey Chestnut, like, cheats or whatever. Yeah. Um. I think at some point, like, the thing is, like, Joey Chestnut has this contract with Major League Eating and Kobayashi hates Major League Eating. So... I, I wish someone would just come over the top with money and be like, yo, the two of you right now. Like, let's just get it done. Like, that's what the world needs.
2: They, Major League eating probably won't allow it. And like what I'm yeah. learning from being around Kobayashi, there's a lot of like sketchy bullshit that I went on. and Because uh, yeah.
1: it's eating contests. Like, it's not a real <laughs> sport. Like Of course there are right. They're eating pizones. Like, I watched a 30 for 30. And it's like, oh, the pizone eating contest wasn't on the up and up. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. Pizones. Who would have thought? And then I got, I got one last question for you. And this is just because, like, we were in a chat. Like, we have all these chats with Bronx Pinstripes. And something about porn came up. And you mentioned you haven't watched porn in three or four years.
2: Yeah, I just don't do that. Um, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I grew up, like, come on, of course. But, like, in the last three to four years, um, I guess since I've been living with my girl, it, like, I don't know, it doesn't feel right to me.
1: We are so different.
2: No, You're married. Like it's fi- you're married. Live with your wife. <laughs>
1: it's 530 on Tuesday and I've already watched porn. Today.
2: I said to my girl, I said to my girl, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm the type of person, man. I don't like to have those images in my mind. Um,
1: I, I need those images in my mind. So I don't, I, so I don't I do have- them to my wife. <laughs> Spare her.
2: I have no interest in like. Rubbing one out. I don't even know how to, like, say it. Jerking it. Like, I'm just not doing that. I don't have time for it. I don't want to. And then I also don't want, like I said, those images in my mind of, like, random naked porn stars. and No, and it helps. It helps you be more faithful, at least in my situation. I feel like I don't have those images in my mind. So when I get out there in the world and I'm I'm with these uh, promiscuous women or I'm with these chicks that want to try and, you know get in with me it's like it's like a force field it's like i'm not i'm i'm a one-man guy i just proposed to my girl um
1: keith's a one-man guy you heard it here first
2: pause <laughs> <Yeah>. i'm a <laughs> i'm a one woman guy i just proposed to my girl i don't need to be watching bang bros i don't need to be watching Brazzers. i don't need to be like and it'd be weird like i couldn't imagine my girl like like walking in the apartment and like catching me watching porn like i would be not nah, i just never gonna happen
1: that's why you do it in the bathroom with your phone on mute.
2: I'm not. You watching, get really good at lip reading. Thing. I'm not watching porn on my my devices. I'm not going to like X videos on my phone or like what's the other one? X hamster.
1: X hamster Pornhub, hub. You porn. Yo, I've just recently <laughs> got I'm into the going world of on like those
2: on my MacBook.
1: I've just recently gotten into the world of like Reddit porn, like just r- amateurs. I'm a big amateur guy.
2: I'm not like I even like as a kid. I guess I I would watch the free like Bang Bros previews, but like yeah, I'm thumbzilla. I'm 31 years uh, old. I haven't I haven't I haven't typed in to a web browser to look for porn since I was like 27.
1: Wow, I just came across August Ames and was like, yo, I'm really into this girl, and did research. I was like, there aren't a ton of videos, and I found out she's dead. I did feel bad after that. I was like. Damn, she's dead. Short I've been career. jerking off to the dead. I've been jerking off to the dead. Yeah. Wow. See, now
2: that's weird, dude. Do you want like, to th- like, how does that make you feel?
1: She, it, well, she has a great threesome with Lena Paul, who I also <laughs> like. And I was like, yo, this is pretty
2: dope. <laughs> yeah, no, I would be weirded out by that. Like, I can't do it.
1: <laughs> you know why? Because you think her spirit's watching you, and I think the lights just went out.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's all we got for this week. Follow the show on Twitter follow it on Instagram at George's box Pod if you follow us on Instagram from five from probably about five o'clock on Friday to about five o'clock on Saturday because we are doing a day game after a night game and I've known I've been known to drink at these things. I am gonna document every drink I have for 24 hours Jeez. so we'll see how this goes every beer every shot every mixed drink uh, at least one of the first couple sips get you a quick shot we'll see what the total is at the end i i don't know i'm not doing it to impress anyone but we got to drive some interaction there follow keith at keith mcpherson on instagram i'll probably get some shots on on saturday like it'll be me having a sip of a beer and then like keith is just wearing a fanny pack and no shirt in the back maybe getting some dollar bills ladies bring them out uh follow him on twitter at keith underscore mcpherson and you can as always follow me at jj from the bronx on twitter on instagram we hope to see you saturday it's been a great week to be a yankee fan and you're gonna want to go and get out you know your beach chairs or whatever it is you're gonna bring and get a spot out on broadway because we'll see you at the parade